Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose is focused on educating, empowering, and investing in women to support them with harnessing an entrepreneurial mindset to create the change in the world for the greater good. Through this series, we connect with women from all across New Zealand to inspire, teach, and share their pearls of wisdom through storytelling and sharing. I'm Catherine Vandermeulen, the founder of Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. Welcome back to Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. We are joined by Jemima Briggs, the General Manager of Sales and Marketing at Red Shoots. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Lovely to be with you. Now, listen, who is Jemima Briggs? Um, it's interesting because um, a couple of other people have asked me a similar question in, in different environments. And so um, thinking about it, um, about or dwelling on it a bit more since the question has been coming up a bit more frequently. I guess I see myself um, as one of a team, um, a smaller team, which is my family, and then a wider team of like-minded people who are trying to make the world a better place for the next generation. So that's kind of my, when I think about who I am and what I do and why I do the things I do on an everyday basis, um, that's kind of, who I'd like to see myself as and then I kind of hold myself accountable to whether I'm achieving that ideal of myself so yeah that's that's who I am and what I'm trying to do I guess. And so what was your most recent call to adventure to joining Red Shoots? Um, yeah I guess I um, sent, spent some time reflecting on on how I was doing against my goal, which I hadn't articulated as well as I just did because I've had to think about that. But because I've had to think about it um, more recently, I've, I've got clear on what that picture looks like. And so um, I had um, worked in the same company for a very long time, um, a big American multinational, um, and I'd kind of got used to what that looked like and how that fitted into my overall goal and how I operated in, within that environment and then I left that and had a couple of other roles um, which really clarified for me what I wanted out of my job um, I guess my job going back to who I am is still a relatively small part of the overall picture so um, for me a job needs to give me personal satisfaction it needs to um, um, supply money basically so um you know to keep to feed my family and put a, a roof over our heads and things like that um uh, there's a whole lot of other things that I do outside my job but from a job point of view those are the kind of things that I needed to do and whilst it was paying the bills it really wasn't fulfilling me and actually it was it was making me miserable in some ways because I really wasn't um, aligned to some of the values and principles of the last couple of roles that I did. And so, um, yeah, I had a discussion uh, with my family and we decided that it was probably time that I did something else. Um, and if that required um, a different direction and work for the different group of people doing a different who had a different purpose and were on a different mission. And as I looked at companies that I wanted to work for and what I wanted to be true, Red Shoots came up. Um, so Red Shoots is a, a partnership between James and Rona, who are the founders, and they're really on a mission to make 
um, grating good ingredients into great products. Um, and that's something that I felt really compelling. Food is really important um, in the, to make the world a better place. We really need to have um, a better food system. So that tapped into that and Rona and James are wonderful people. Um, and so working on something that I was really passionate about with people who I really enjoyed working with ticked those boxes. And so I found myself at Red Shoots um, and that, and I found myself at Red Shoots just before COVID uh, lockdown. So literally two weeks before that. So yeah, it's been an interesting, I think four or five months now, I guess, um, since joining Red Shoots. So can you tell us a little bit more about the kind of 18, the last 18 months for you going back a little bit further? And you kind of alluded to it in terms of some of the organisations that you're working for uh, in the past uh, and you doing some of that work uh, and making some bold choices and feeling like you're starting to come out the other end to the best version of yourself. Can you talk us through a little bit more of that journey for you? Yes, I guess going back even further, I had been massively privileged in the roles that I'd had over the first, I guess, 15 years of my career. Um, and like many things, you don't realize it until you look back on it. At the time, I thought that's how everyone, everyone had a meaningful job. Everyone worked with people with integrity and values and principles. And everyone worked with people who were willing to make the hard choice, not the easy choice for the better good. People who were always challenging the status quo and um, looking to make changes that were sustainable, that were right for the long term, as well as delivering short term, and that were, were for the good of the world. So I kind of, you know, I was very lucky in that I worked for this company who I really, um, who I really was passionate about what they were trying to achieve and most, and also how, how they were trying to do it. So not just what, but also how. Um, and then for personal reasons, we moved to New Zealand um, and roles within that company were no longer available. We left on very good terms. Um, and then I worked for two different companies who were both different from where I'd been, but also very different from each other. Um, and through those, through working in those different environments, it became crystal clear that not everyone puts their purpose at the center of their decision-making. Not everyone um, within an organization has the same understanding of what values and principles are and, in, and personal integrity. And so um, it became clear that those things were really important to me. I've probably always had them in my mind as being very important, but it wasn't until they were there was an absence of them that it becomes really clear how really important they are. So um, it was with those kind of feelings of discomfort, I guess, and um, not quite feeling like I was in the place I wanted to be. Um, and then um, going back to, you know, what I was trying to achieve from a, from a greater point of view that there was no point kind of wasting my time, I guess, and putting my energy into something that I didn't truly believe in and that I didn't enjoy. And that actually was beginning to compromise some of my personal values and my personal integrity. And so, um, yeah, we, we sat down as a, as a team and decided that it was probably time to do things differently and look for a different role um, and look 
get really clear on what needed to be true in that role for me to to be happier and to be more fulfilled and that's where those criteria around a really a really solid and meaningful purpose and a real set of um good operating principles and operating values and and for me personal integrity of people that I was working around that wouldn't wouldn't take the easy option out or wouldn't ignore things that were being done that weren't necessarily the right things to do but the easy things to do so that journey if I think back to the last 18 months um, I probably started my second role about two years ago and it was probably about six months in that I started to get those feelings but you obviously work and you hope that they're going to go away and that you're wrong and probably after another year it really became clear that it wasn't you know that I wasn't I wasn't happy and it wasn't delivering what I wanted to deliver and so then at the last six months or so looking for a new role and then finding this role um, is how I ended up where I am today. And so if there's anyone listening who have been in a similar situation where you have that gut instinct or that intuition that things just aren't quite right, you may be within an organisation that's not values aligned or, you know, running on on different uh, ethics and the things that are important to you aren't being fulfilled in your role. What are some of the things that you have learnt about yourself in that uh, process? Um, I, I guess like lots of people, you just hope that you're wrong (laughs) when your gut is not telling you, um, well, when your gut is telling you that, um, the decision that you've made is the wrong one and that you're going, you should really make the really hard decision to reverse it. Essentially, I think it's really easy to ignore it and go, well, that's really hard. And that's going to be challenging on a lot of levels, emotionally, professionally, financially, um, I'm just going to pretend it's not there. And I guess um, this is where your friends and your family really come into play. And when you start talking about it with them, they're your um, devil's advocate or your sounding board who can say, no, you know, the person. So for me, you know, my husband knows me very well and said, well, you can't just pretend that this is okay. Like, and I said, I think I can. And he's like, you're kidding yourself. You can't, that's not the person that you are. And when you, ha- when you engage with the, you know, the people who love you and know you, I think it's very hard to hide. Whereas if it's just you and inside your head, it's much easier to pretend and just carry on. Cause you know, you get up every day and you go to work and you do your thing and you can just pretend it's not happening. But when you held accountable to who you are and what you believe in by your friends and family, then it's, it's harder to hide. So that's, I definitely think, um, sharing those feelings and with a um, with a sounding board of people who know you is a is a great first step. Um, secondly, I think getting solid examples that you can't pretend. Again, you know, keeping a journal of when are those times where you feel uncomfortable. When are those times where you feel like oh this doesn't feel right? If you write it down and say this is this is what happened and this is why I felt uncomfortable, um, and then quite quickly you'll get quite a long list of examples where you felt uncomfortable and it wasn't right and again that's very hard to hide from because it's on black and white but it also starts to um, give you an idea about what are the things um, 
in the organization that you're working or in the environment that you're in that are making you uncomfortable and are those systemic to the organization or are they just personality things because if it's just that you don't like working with one particular person or a couple of people then that's not the whole organization that you're working with and those are kind of personal related um issues which again if you're making a big step out of um a career or an organization you won't necessarily want to do it just because of two or three people but is it systemic across the organization does the organization um allow this kind of behavior will it continue to allow this behavior does it embrace it does it celebrate it in some ways sometimes and so mm-hmm. if you've got you know your family keeping you honest so to speak and you've got the evidence that's keeping you which is um moves it a bit further away from a gut reaction and more into you know no this is really happening this isn't just me feeling that this is happening this is the reality of what is happening um and then that helps you to say okay well these are the things that i don't like and these are things that are uncomfortable and these things that are making um my soul hurt in some ways um and then you can think about well, what would need to be true for me to not feel like this. Well, this would need to happen and this would need to happen and this would need to happen. And when you start making that list, it becomes clear that those things either will or won't happen. Do you believe that the leadership of the organization will ever change it? And when we're talking about embedded cultural norms, then those things are not going to change overnight. Mm. And it's your question. Do you want to sit? Do you think it will ever change? Yes or no. How long will it take to change? The time period. Can you sit it out that time period or do you need to go somewhere else or do something else? And I think that that's why the process takes, in my case, a year It can be longer or shorter, but it does take time um, because you want, you know, these are big decisions to make and you want to feel like you've made the right decision. So um, it takes time to be able to do that. So, yeah, those are the those are probably the things that when I did finally make the decision to move were what um, prompted that decision and what helped to make that decision and when I look back now I find it ridiculous that it took so long because it seems like a complete no-brainer but that's the beauty of hindsight at the time you're you know you're well into it so you don't you don't see it that way the joys of hindsight (laughs) we would be much better versions (laughs) of ourselves if we actually lived through those moments uh, more open-mindedly I love your words of your soul hurting because I think when we know we are involved or engaged in something whether that's a personal relationship whether that's a relationship with that business whether it's a relationship in a partnership between two organizations there's something inside where you just know that something just doesn't feel right and that is that soul hurting and it's that soul trying to tell us that something's just not right and I think as women as well I think we are very uh, intuitive and I think we just need to tune into those things a little bit more and listen into those voices that are telling us about which way to move and how to move and trusting ourselves that the universe has got our back and that we can step forward and there will always be other opportunities and we are not just going to fall, you know, fall flat on our faces if we do make bold moves. Yeah, and I think, I mean, experience is a wonderful thing so you know doing anything for the first time is really hard but it becomes easier and easier the more that you do it and I think that you know that's what I'll what I'll take away from this is yeah this was the first time I'd really had to confront it and um you know I 
the universe has looked after me. I, I am somewhere which I um, which I enjoy and I flourish and I, I can make a difference. And I think the more the more times you trust your gut, but also in you know interrogate it. Don't just do it on on the fly. Put some time and effort into making sure you understand the why, not just the the feeling, but also why the feeling. And then you make those calls and inevitable inevitably there's success and where there isn't success there is minor failures or which can be learned from and moved forward um and i think probably the other thing that someone said to me um, many many years ago when i left the uk was you know someone said oh my goodness you're moving to australia how do you feel about that and i said no you know i'm i'm going on an adventure i'm looking forward to it and then someone else said well you know you can always come back we'll all still be here you know the world won't have changed that dramatically. And I think that's the other thing. Um, you know, you step outside your comfort zone, but a lot of the time you still have that safety net there. And, you know, all those things that you are moving away from will still be there. And worst case scenario, you made the wrong decision. You can come back again or you can go somewhere slightly different. But I think that's that's the other thing to acknowledge. We rarely make decisions that are completely irreversible and they're and those are the really hard decisions. If you can't, if it's either, you know, you go and you can never come back, then those are the really hard decisions. But the other decisions where, you know, there is a reversal, there is a um, contingency plan, then those are the decisions that we should be bolder in taking, I think. I would love to understand from your perspective what the word purpose means to you. Yeah, and it's quite interesting. Um, again, thinking about purpose. And again, for the last 18 months, you know, it's been quite core of a lot of the thinking that I've done um, and how I compare it to um, how my husband, for example, thinks about purpose. And for me, um, it's really about having a plan um, and having a plan that gets you out of bed, excited to progress your plan every day. So, um, you know, whether it's um, on, on the short term, what's my purpose today? What am I going to get done today? Or it's a longer term, weekly, monthly, lifetime. Um, it's having a goal and having a plan to get to that goal and being able to, and the, and the joy in when your kind of soul sings is when you can see make yourself making progress towards um, completing that plan or achieving that goal or getting closer to, to your purpose. So yeah, for me, that's what purpose means. Again, you've mentioned the beloved soul <laughs> and now it is singing. I'm so glad that it's gone from hurting <laughs> uh, to singing. So tell me, what are some of the daily rituals and routines that make you the best version of yourself? Uh, this is challenging. For, I would say this is one of the things that I'm not so great at. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, probably have my um air it all Jim it <laughs> it's probably where um I have where my uh plan is not being achieved so I absolutely um realize the importance of rituals and habits and routines to to allow you to um be your best self but I'm just things get in the way so um exercise is already always um being part of my life, um, you know, whether it was school sports or um, 
just getting out there, surfing, sailing, mountain biking before I had the kids and things, you know, that's always been my kind of leisure activities. And that's probably what's taken the biggest back seat since um, I had a family and we moved to New Zealand and, and, the, and different priorities have, um, have kind of fight with each other every day. So in my head, I have a wonderful regime. I go running three times a week, I go to bed early, I, you know, eat healthily. But in reality, I'd probably go running one to two times a week on average, and I never go to bed quite as early as I'd hoped to. Um, so I think my regimes and rituals are definitely a work in progress. I think probably for me as a mum, my biggest routine is having um, dinner with the kids. So I try and be, unless I'm traveling, I try and be at home in time to have dinner and the evening with the kids. So I try and get home about 4.30, see them before dinner. We have an early dinner as all good Kiwis do. Um, and then we have some downtime, um, playtime, and then bath time in bed. And so I try and block out those three and a half hours a day to be at home with the kids so that's probably the only ritual that I'm that is non-negotiable for me and that I, I I'm better at achieving compared to some of my more personal rituals which seem to take a step back um, so yes rituals is definitely a work in progress for me something that I might just need to keep you accountable <laughs> to Jim <laughs> So where will you focus your impact in the next 12 months? Um, so um, I'm very lucky in that um, I guess my husband and I kind of um, divide and conquer from an impact point of view. So as a family, we're really focused on um, making the world a better place. Um, and so um, my husband, is he's in charge of... Um, carbon reduction and living a more sustainable life. Um, so he's looking at how we do carbon sequestration better and um, he's chasing um, the dream of having a seaweed farm to do that, um, as well as keeping the home fires burning and, you know, keeping the family um, looked after and well fed. And then from my side, um, from a personal point of view, I'm very, um, committed to education and improving education for um, people in our local kids in our local region. So I um, I'm on an educational board. So that's my focus um, as well as my work at Red Shoots. Um, so very much bringing these great ingredients to life um, in wonderful products in New Zealand, Australia and the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, those are, those are, I guess, our three priorities, living a more sustainable life, um, improving education in the local area um, and then bringing better products to the people of New Zealand and beyond. So knowing that good health and well-being and education are key and intrinsic um, values of entrepreneurial women with purpose and something that really underpins the organisation, we were talking earlier about what Red Shoots has recently launched uh, the ginger and turmeric uh, products. Can you share more about and why are those things so important to our health and for our immune systems and our cells and all of those things? 
Yeah, so red shoots is really, um, I guess, about acknowledging that we have busy lives and that um, a bit like my rituals, I guess, <laughs> we have great intentions, but we don't always follow through. Um, so Rona, one of the co-founders, um, established Lemon Fresh, which is a kiwi staple, which um, people will be aware of in New Zealand and Australia, um, which puts um, pure lemon juice and lime juice in a pouch. Um, so that's really the beginning of how of where red juice came from. Um, buying lemons and limes, particularly out of season, is expensive. They shrivel up in your fruit bowl or in your fridge and you don't use them. Whereas if you take the greatness out of those two ingredients, you put it in a pouch and you make it readily available at great um, value, then it helps people um, with busy lives to still get those great ingredients in their um, in their everyday meals. Now, Rona met James, who um, whose family has had a uh, sustainable ginger and turmeric farm in Fiji for three generations and has worked really hard to use it as a social enterprise to empower the women of Fiji, um, particularly rural women, um, to give them employment, but also um, educational opportunities. And the organization is headed up by a Fijian woman who, who started um, as part of, as a farm worker. So the wonderful story behind the ginger and turmeric um, and whilst partnering with Rona, um, have come up with our latest brand launches, which are Ginger Fresh and Turmeric Fresh, which are just pure Fijian ginger and turmeric in a pouch. Um, and then during COVID, um, we had some time on our hands, as everyone did, um, while still balancing all the family priorities. And we thought about how else we could use these amazing ingredients to bring a convenient product to market um, for people and we came up with um, daily tonics. So we have a ginger, turmeric and blackcurrant daily tonic made out of lots of wonderful organic ingredients and manuka honey um, and apple cider vinegar. And we put them all together into a handy tonic in a bottle, which is a week's worth of daily shots, which you can keep in your fridge or in your pantry. And it just makes it really easy to get those um, superhero ingredients into your body in a daily um, as part of your daily routine. So yeah, Red Shoots really is about getting those great ingredients and making them easy for people to use day in, day out, and also at good value. So we try not to charge an extortionate amount of money, although they're amazing products, we try and make them um, at a reasonable value so that people, so they're accessible for people. So yeah, I mean, nutrition, if you think about what's really going to help solve the world's problems at a, at a very a very grand level um, education and nutrition are two of the big inputs which are going to um, make a healthy healthy engaged um, next generation to be able to solve what are going to be some pretty challenging times ahead so yeah so a combination of what I do from my personal life as well as my professional life um, makes me feel like I'm heading in that direction. I'm just excited to hear that there's going to be a more palatable version of apple cider vinegar. It's something that I have been embedding into my daily routine for a very long time. And some mornings it's just, you just can't cope no, with how no, awful yeah, it is and how with... much it makes your eyeballs hurt. <laughs> yeah, and you put that with the pain of having to um, 
uh, peel or mash turmeric. If you put those two things together, um, it's it's worthwhile just for those two things. So um, yeah, we're excited about, we're only just launching. So our website went live last week. We're just finalizing um, discussions with retailers and things like that. So it feels like it's for us been quite a long journey all the way through lockdown to here, but in reality, it's a pretty short journey and we just can't wait for people to taste them. Anyone who's tasted them so far is um, um, slightly addicted. You don't normally you know, want addiction, but when it's as healthy and yummy as these ones are, then yeah, we're great. it's great to hear that people are using them in the way that we thought that they would. So finally, what is your call for action for something that you are truly passionate about from the Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose community? Um, yeah, I think I was listening to your um, interview with Teresa as well. And I think what from what she was saying, it really um, emphasised how she was using her privilege for good. And I think that really resonated with me. So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is um, people acknowledging their privilege. I um, acknowledge my privilege. I was very lucky I had a wonderfully supportive family. I've had a huge amount of opportunities. Um, and I think it's important to firstly acknowledge that privilege and, and acknowledge that not everyone has that privilege. And I think um, more, even more so post COVID because some people, you know, are really going to struggle um, post COVID. And if, if you're lucky enough not to be one of those, then I think we owe it to society to, to use the privilege that we've had and still have um, to do good. And that's time and money and buying power all, all combined. Um, so how do you use your money or your time or your, and I guess your buying power is part of your money to um, fulfill your purpose and to improve the world? So I would just ask everyone to make small changes every day to try and improve um, to improve the world. So whether that's having four different heat cups, one in your car, one in your um, handbag, one at the office, one at home, so that we don't need to use disposable coffee cups, because that was a huge benefit of COVID, which had some, you know, has some huge downsides and you know there's going to be some real struggle post-COVID but one of the things is that people stopped using disposable coffee cups because they weren't going to the cafes and so we saved something like a million and a half coffee cups um, per week I can't even remember numbers but you know how do you do small things like commit to um, heat cups and if you buying a new car and you've you know, if you're in the privileged position that you've got $20,000 to spend on a new car, please buy an electric car. Um, they're not um, they're not out of reach if that's the kind of money you're spending on new cars. If you're having babies, use renew, re, reusable nappies. It's not that hard. Um, reduce your plastic. Get some chickens. If you've got space, food waste is a huge issue. You can just get a couple of chickens if you, you know, and lots of New Zealand can and lots of New Zealand plants. Um, buy local, um, especially from a small Kiwi startup. Spend that extra, if you, again, if you can afford to, spend that extra 50 cents, $2, $3, and buy local versus imported. Um, and do things like eat less meat. We've got wonderful fresh produce in New Zealand. We don't need to have meat in every meal. So just small things. And it doesn't, that seems like a really long list. 
<laughs> those are just some really tangible examples. A wonderful list, though. Um, a wonderful list. And I just think pick a week. Maybe this week will be your, you know, we won't have meat on a Tuesday. And next week will be I'm not going to use a disposable coffee cup any day this week. I think um, the quest for perfection um, sometimes stops us doing the small things. Um, so, you know, celebrate every day that you haven't used a disposable coffee cup or, um, you know, you haven't used a single use plastic item, you know, and don't, don't kind of beat yourself up if it, you know, if there is a day that you do have to use a disposable cup, just commit to the next day being more organized or et cetera, et cetera. So I just think if everyone could do two or three small things every day, we would make huge progress. And I think COVID has shown us in lots of ways that we can do that. Um, we can travel less, we can do virtual meetings, we can not use as many coffee cups. Um, and so let's continue that momentum and not go back to the old normal um, and embrace the new normal, I guess. And as Bridget Williams from Beat and Proceed always says, is progress compounds. So all of those little increments of making small daily, weekly, monthly changes all amount uh, to something. So Jemima Briggs, thank you so much for sharing your world and your hero's journey with entrepreneurial women with purpose. Wonderful. And thanks for your time. Just like the founding origins of entrepreneurial women with purpose, Rind was born and bred in Marlborough, New Zealand, and has the values of locally made goodness, no mass production, hand-picked fabrics, and most importantly, functional yet stylish designs sewn into the brand DNA. Although a fashion business was never part of the plan for founder Hayley Rind, she now finds time to balance her love of being farmside and designing active and athleisure wear. Good health and well-being are top priorities for Rind and Entrepreneur Women with Purpose, which makes us a perfect brand fit. Rind is a founding sponsor of Entrepreneur Women with Purpose. Check out rind.nz.